Welcome to The Gathering Pod, the audio version of my weekly gathering room broadcast. I'm Martha Beck. Here we all are. And aren't we all a little unnerved? I don't know about you. I think, I mean, there are a lot of us here who aren't actually physically in the United States or who necessarily pay much attention to the United States. One of the problems, I believe, about the United States is that we Americans, we United States Americans tend to believe that everybody is focused on us. But on the other hand, we like cause a lot of things to happen in the world. And right now, the situation is looking very scary for a lot of people. I've been sort of out online a little bit and looking at things people are writing and things people are posting. And as the American election comes around in a couple of days, there's a lot of fear rising. And it doesn't even matter which side you're on. Um, there are there are people afraid on both sides that everything they love is under threat and that if the election doesn't go their way there's a lot of scary stuff ahead i watched one um a political strategist who did a sociological prediction of four different outcomes uh no matter which way the election went and i'm not even going to say them because they were not pleasant to think about so I know that sociologists can be wrong as often as they're right, so I'm not going to bother you with that, but it's just part of this, of this systemic fear. My personal belief is that there's a system that was set up in the world that came out of the European, they called it the Enlightenment, but it was really the dawn of the scientific era, which then led to the colonial era where people took that type of uh, worldview, their philosophy, their religion, spread it all over the world, killed pretty much everyone they could, took everything they could reach, and dominated the society, the social norms of the whole planet. That system has been going for about 500 years. And it actually worked very well to create a pyramid-structured society where there could be cooperation, there could be diversification of labor, and there could be a centralized authority. Um, it has its downsides. And a lot of that is that the people in the lower parts of the pyramid, where, where they're relatively underprivileged and it doesn't matter which side you're on, if you're relatively underprivileged, you feel like the people at the top are scary and horrifying. And you know what, a lot of them are. I've often thought that the American political system, like the monarchies of cultures all over the world, really lends itself to being dominated by psychopaths because if you can do things without a conscience you're just going to win more in a flat-out dogfight which is what most of our cultural hierarchiness is it's a flat-out dogfight i learned in martial arts that it's really it's not the person who has the better mastery of the karate skills who's going to win a fight it's the person who is least reluctant to really hurt another person like if you're not worried about gouging out someone's eyes, if you can do that and then go have a night, good night's sleep, you're probably going to win in a, in a knuckles out fight. So it's a lot of dogs fighting at the top and a lot of us down below going, what the? And it's scary. And it's especially scary because it seems to be, it's cracking at the seams. Um, I remember in like the 1990s when it hit me um, and I was still getting my doctorate 
um, and I was studying social change and writing about it. And I realized that the internet had gotten to a place where to communicate with a government was as possible for me or you or any other individual as it was for someone at the top of the pyramid. See, one of the things about those pyramids in all the cultures that were based on the European system, one of the things about when the, them was that for one nation to communicate with another, for one leader to communicate with another, it took like millions of man hours and lots of money to, to create a society-wide message. Like it took a lot of resources. With the internet, it takes not a lot of resources at all. It takes whatever money you can scrounge up to get yourself a laptop computer or even a smartphone. And there are people emailing stuff out of China who have, you know, they're sneaking stuff through the information blockade from the, the communist um, blackout that they could never have gotten out. I mean, they used to go put pamphlets on walls in China and they'd all be taken down overnight. Well, now those people are sneaking information out through the internet. So that, I think, the true rise of democracy um, because we're not a democracy in the U.S., we're a republic, right? You couldn't have everybody go and vote and then count all the votes way back when the colonies were formed. You had to have the people cluster and then an electoral college delegate would physically go and figure out the votes and then go back and cast the vote for that block of people. And it was all about the fact that you couldn't get a true democracy because there weren't the resources to take one person's opinion around. But now there are, like voting, please vote please vote, please, please vote. Even if you have to stand in a long line or go to another county or whatever it takes, I don't even know the rules. I know there have been people blockading certain election um, uh, ballot posts and things. If you can, if you can be brave enough and something is trying to stop you from voting, pretend you're brave and, and see if you can vote anyway. If you don't, I don't blame you because it's scary out there, but I wish you would. All of this to say that just the fact that we could have a real democracy now because of technology is breaking up the structure that has created so much of a sense of oppression. And when it hits each of us that the society we were raised in is going to break, we get a spurt of fear because we rely as social apes, we rely biologically on a sense that our troop is okay and is going to survive. If you know, oh, yeah, have you heard of the superconductor, the super, the hadron super collider? That's it, super collider in Switzerland. This is where they smash subatomic particles into smaller subatomic particles, and the way they do it is they get atoms going at an incredible speed, and then they smash them into each other, and they have this ring uh, of uh, it's a big metal tunnel like seven miles in circumference and they get these particles going around and around and around and what makes them go around is the, these magnets every time so they have electromagnetic power super magnets and every time the particle comes around and passes a magnet that magnet kicks it gives it a kick of energy and it speeds up and then it speeds up again and it speeds up again like to inconceivable levels and then they get them going to different directions and pow, smash them into each other and then see what comes out. What comes out is tinier and tinier things. So the reason I say that is that I believe each of us is like a super magnet. 
And every time something comes into our consciousness and then we think about it, it's like we take the energetic content. This is not science. This is me making stuff up. Uh, we take the energetic content that has connected with us and depending on how we react to it, we can either kick it into a higher level of, of, of speed and intensity and force, or we can turn off the super magnet and it doesn't go anywhere from us. So then you get 300 million people or 8 billion people and they're all worried. They're all super magnets. But the people who can turn off the panic to stay calm become these islands of soft energy where things go still. And this force is very, very powerful as well. And the way we can contribute to the world, I believe, is to become one of these energy centers that isn't magnifying fear and instead is bringing everything into stillness, into calm. And ultimately that force has to win because energy continually dissipates. That's second law of thermodynamics, right? Things can go faster and faster, but eventually they're gonna slow down. And at the end of the universe, there will be perfect stillness. So everything tends towards stillness. And a lot of people think that's sort of horrifying and it seems like death. But that's only if you see that stillness as being empty of consciousness. If it's all alive and it's just still because it's experiencing the bliss of being, Satchitananda, as they say, and I think it's Sanskrit, the bliss of being thus, and it can generate things into the world and then it can go peaceful again, generate them and go peaceful. Black hole, big bang, black hole, big bang. I don't know. Maybe we're all black holes or big bangs. And my point is, <laughs> and I do have one, that we're in a period where everybody's been sort of recruited to be a super magnet speeding up the energy of fear. And we don't know how powerful our own stillness can be. So if you're afraid, and I certainly have been, I want you to join me in this meditation I made up like 10 years ago because it helped. And I would really love it if you just get comfortable, maybe find a place where you can sit back, close your eyes, put your feet up if you want to, because it's a visualization as well as a meditation. And it's one way that I stay calm. You can't stay calm by saying, oh, my, my side's gonna win and the ensuing strife will lead to my total victory. That is, no, only war wins war. Neither side ever wins a war. War always wins a war. Um, and the people who were left afterward didn't actually win. They just lost everyone. Or they sent all their all the best into the mouth of a cannon or whatever. Okay, so if you're comfortable now, I want you to take a few deep breaths. Especially that long exhale. I've talked about this before because no animal running from a predator ever went So do that. Now imagine that you are say off the, on the coast of Mississippi and there's another hurricane coming in and it's a level five and it's miles and miles in 
diameter and it is blowing at 200 miles an hour and it is ripping things apart like a super collider and it is chewing through the water and then it's chewing across the land and it's spitting trees and cows and cars up into the sky and they're falling on each other and it's just it's complete mayhem yeah okay so there you are now here's the thing in this visualization you're not a human you're a point of con of um, consciousness you're a point of observation a witness a bodiless witness of the chaos and you're watching the hurricane but it can't touch you you are made of space it blows through you without hurting you in the slightest it doesn't even move you it never could you are this point of consciousness and as you imagine the hurricane all around you move off the coast and over the ocean now out here there are waves that are 10 stories high with troughs that would kill you if you dropped into them as a human and smash any boat that ever came close but you're not a boat and you're not a human you're a point of consciousness and you hover above the surface of the water and you let the waves smash through you and they can't hurt you they can't move you nothing can you're made of space you're just alive you're aware so now imagine yourself as this very intense little point of consciousness and as the hurricane goes you drop a line of energy down through the wind and the clouds and then through the waves and under the water it's bubbling and there's thrashing and foaming but only close to the surface as you get 50 100 feet down below the deepest troughs it's not it's not smashing it's just going boom, 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 boom. but even so it cannot move you it cannot harm you it never could you're made of space and the point of consciousness that is you drops this line down through that water and down into the deep blue water two three hundred feet down where it starts to be quite still there are swells but not big ones and nothing is moving you except your own consciousness going straight down and you go down 500 feet you go down 700 feet you go down a thousand feet you're losing all light now except for the light of bioluminescent animals going past you and it would be cold and the pressure would be great if you were a human but you're not a human you're a point of consciousness and nothing can harm you nothing can even move you so you go down 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 way down to the bottom of the ocean to a band where the water is so absolutely still that the blue whales can go down there and call to each other and the sound waves traveling through that still still water can be heard across oceans 700 miles a thousand miles apart it's that still and you go all the way down through that down down until you rest at the bottom of the ocean and then you go down through the silt and the sand until you find stone and there you anchor and now you're a string of consciousness and the top of you is in the hurricane which is still raging but your anchor is absolutely solid down in the deep 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 and nothing can harm that that long line of energy and you can watch it all and nothing will hurt you 
And you can be a place for other people to anchor in. And you can say, come, grab hold of this line of energy with your hands, with your boats, with whatever you've got. Nothing can move me. Nothing can hurt me. I am made of space. I am consciousness. And I am peace. And just feel how that line of peace is warm and sweet and still. And nothing can hurt it. Then you come back up, you leave that string anchored and you come back up into the point of consciousness above the waves and you move onto the land again and you come down to a human eye view and you know that that anchor is still there. And when people come up to you freaked out and you feel it, you can invite them without saying anything to grab hold of that line of energy and keep themselves still. And just think to them, it's okay. Everything's going to be all right. So that is a nice visualization for me when I feel unnerved and it feels like there are hurricanes. And I would love to take some questions if anyone does have them. Hello, the lovely peoples. This is Marty, Martha, inviting you to a free masterclass that I have made called Five Paths to Your Purpose. Probably the most common question I get from people is, how do I find my purpose? Why don't I feel that I'm on purpose? Well, it turns out there are certain things you have to do to find your purpose, and I broke them down into five, and I made a little masterclass about it. So if you'd like to see it, just go to marthabeck.com slash purpose and you will be able to watch it without any charge at all. And we have our illustrious badger, mother of badgerette, manning the message board. And so she just sent me one from Kira. She says, how can we tell whether we're an island of soft energy versus someone who has numbed their ability to truly experience the present moment as a result of trauma? You can tell because if you are numb as a result of trauma, you do not feel joy. You do not feel peace. You don't feel pain. And that actually is better than nothing. Like that numbness has its reason for being. That is a grace given to us by the universe. It's not ideal. And if you're in it and you're numb, you know, or you wouldn't be asking the question that there's a better kind of peace. There's a, there's a better kind of stillness. If you need to hunker down for um, for the next couple of weeks or whatever happens, um, go ahead and use what one psychologist calls denial with a little d. This is not happening. I am not here. I am just, I'm going to like sit in the corner of my bedroom and read, you know, cop novels, uh, you know, police detect, uh, no, even the police are rife with conflict these days. So I'm going to read science fiction fantasy adventures off in the corner of my bedroom. Stay out of it. Um, know that when the high points of that feel like danger go away and you seek healing, your own suffering will reemerge and try to take you to a place where you can experience healing. And you will. And you'll have to go through a lot of storms and you'll find that that line of energy never gets shaken as these huge storms go through your body and through your psyche. And then you'll start to get more and more certain that you're safe. 
and you'll actually start to feel safer than a person who's never been through such a trauma because you will have been tested in so many hurricanes. And then you'll feel joy and peace and that's, that's its own excuse for being dudes and ladies and all of us. Okay, Meg says, thank you, Martha, you're so welcome. Can you please let folks know how to please not try to vote in a different country? County. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I said that, didn't I? And then I went, wait, that's wrong. Don't do it. Their down ballot votes would be fraudulent and their ballots could be thrown out. You're absolutely right. That was me like trying to be ha ha ha. And then I was like, oh no, that is wrong. I just heard that some people were being kept from the polls, polling stations in their own counties. And um, that, I must admit, does not make me happy. It does not gruntle me. It disgruntles me. And I was trying to sort of happy talk away around it. Don't do that. Don't go to a different county. Thank you, Meg. Okay, Stephen says, how do we deal with the knowledge and damage of the narcissist's sociopaths? There's the question, the little philosophical question about evil. How do we handle evil? And the big debate always comes down to, do you fight psychopathy with psychopathy, sociopathy, sociopathy with sociopathy? Like, do you kill them because they're gonna kill you? thereby descending to their level, or do you just let them kill you because that's what they're gonna do and being nice to them will not stop it. This is what um, a lot of the martial arts that I've studied were all about, especially this art called Aikido, the way of the harmonious spirit. One of the interesting things that I've done with many, many, many people, thousands of people, is this strange little exercise where you basically arm wrestle another person and you do it from a position of trying to aggressively overpower them. And you may do so if you're stronger. Um, if they're stronger than you, you will lose. But if you then go into a place of inner peace, like the one I just suggested we try to access with that meditation, you can do it just by like going to a play, the memory of holding someone you love or a pet, or it, it's a simple thing. It's simple genuine, authentic love, and you hold that energy while you have your arm wrestle with the other person, you will win even though they are stronger. And I know this sounds absurd, and so this is why I've done it with thousands of people. I'll do it in a big crowd, and I'll say, I'm going to show this to you, but then I want you to feel it, because if you don't feel it, you won't believe it. And then I just ask them to pair off with a stranger and try arm wrestling, either in a state of anxiety or in a state of peace. And as they do the exercise and they get into the state of peace and they feel the difference. And if you're the one who's trying to fight someone in a state of peace, it's really weird. You forget to fight them. You lose the will to fight them when they're in a state of love. And I'm not saying that this means that all of you who have been abused in your lives, if you'd just been in a state of love, you wouldn't have gotten abused. I am not saying that. What I am saying that is if you can hold a place of love and then do everything you can to keep sociopaths and narcissists from ruling you, you will stand a better chance than if you're just frantic trying to fight them because in a frantic fight, they will win. They are the eye gougers. They are the ones who aren't afraid to hurt. They can go right to sleep at night after doing atrocious things. But if you can hold a state of love, uh, I've talked about the spiritual teacher Byron Katie, who really um, is not afraid to die and it goes and works in maximum security prisons with people who've killed other people with their bare hands. And 
she's had several people say they were going to kill her and run at her or stick a gun in her, a loaded gun in her ribs. Um, and she just never leaves that position of love. She is rock solid as that line of energy. And so far, not a one of them has been able to carry through on their violent intentions. They either fall down and lie on the ground crying and she gets down and sits with them or they just drop their weapons and start crying and she sits with them. Um, when you're in the presence of an unwavering love, something truly magical happens and evil, even sociopathic evil, loses its energy. And that's what I mean by not being one of the, the magnets because the, the, the spark we give to sociopathy and narcissism is fearing them or being enraged at them, either one, which is understandable, but both of them are, are understandable. So it takes an act of heroism to say, I will go to this place of being a line of consciousness and I will look, I will look evil in the eye and be still and say, I will stop you in every way I can from working your evil designs in the world, but I will not join you in your insanity. And like, that's where it starts. It's a perfect question, Stephen, and it's what we deal with every day when we read the news. So there's no lack of chances to practice. So Emily says, can you talk about anger? You've spoken before about anger being a response to injustice. I did just order the way of forgiveness, so desire to drop the story. Yeah, Way of Forgiveness is by Byron Katie's husband. Beautiful, beautiful book. Um, anger is an urge to correct injustice, and it's like a flame. And for example, if you're doing martial arts, say you're doing Aikido, everything, is, uh, somebody comes at you, they want to kill you, um, an Aikido master will step to the side and I, this is real. I've experienced it. I have tried to attack an Aikido teacher when I was trying to learn it. And as I came at him, uh, I just, I wasn't, I was like eight feet away from him and I just hit the floor like a ton of bricks. He never came near me, never touched me. And I hit the floor so hard. He didn't really need anger anymore. But he said to me, if he saw someone hurting someone else or a child or an animal or something, he said he would immediately, the energy that was moving that would move through his body to stop the injustice. But what he would feel was a fire that had no particular suffering about it, but a lot of energy. And it would know what to do with his body. And so he would fight without fighting. He would allow love to be the fight to do the fighting, which I know makes no sense. And there's, there are no attack moves in Aikido. It's all defense and it's all, none of it's meant to hurt the attacker, just to take away the energy of evil. I know this sounds really abstract. I wish I could show you in your body how it feels and how available it is. Really try going into, you can't go into a crowded place and try this. Of course not. Just try sitting in your room and doing it and seeing if, see if we can all calm down. But anger comes as a fire, and if you don't move to act toward justice, it will burn you, and you will start to rage, and you will start to hate. If you take quick action toward rectifying the injustice, what, what happens with my clients when I say, take all that anger and then tell me what it wants to happen, and they're like, they should stop polluting the oceans or whatever, and I say, okay, now go do what you have to do to stop that, and suddenly they're not in anger, they're like terrified. They're like, oh, no, no, I could get hurt. 
if you're stuck in that, anger just eats you alive. Anger is to give you courage so your body can allow love to stop injustice. So allow it to burn, but make it make sure you let it move you and don't move in ways that are, are designed by hate. Move from a place of stillness. I know that sounds ironic. Try it. It can happen. Brett says, I love this meditation. I've used it many times. Yeah, I did put it out online once. Thank you, Martha. Mwah. I often use its inverse in the mountains and deep in valleys. I do this in part so I can share meditation time with my wife. She does not like being underwater. <laughs> How can I use this when I desire to let go of the victim archetype in me, even when and if I am ever victimized again? Uh, the way to do it, I think, is to, when you have been victimized, it creates an emotional storm. And you allow yourself to be picked up in the storm and shaken around. And you can definitely do this. You can take it off into space. You can take it into the heart of a mountain so that it's rooted like at the core of the earth. There are a lot of things you can do, but all of them involve going pretty far away. So it's a little scary sometimes. So I hope your wife can use the earth anchoring instead of the water anchoring. But know that when victimization occurs, there's an explosion of emotion. We call it the grieving cycle. And if you allow that to flow through you and move you, your body, the consciousness that is you will, will still not move. What will happen is the, the physicality and the humanness of you will be washed away so that there's less and less fear because you'll become more and more just a consciousness. And what happens to your body will become less important to you. It'll still be important here in this realm, but it won't be important at the level of absolute consciousness, which is what you will realize you are. And then nothing can harm you, so nothing can frighten you. So Judah says, how do you know if you're helping others or just depleting yourself? Um, helping others shouldn't feel depleting. So if you feel depleted, right now, check in. Am I depleted? Go rest, rest and rest and rest. And if you're worried about the world, try something I learned from this really funky, great mule herder in Arizona. He rests for other people. He told me, and he, he lay down on the ground and rested for me. And then he got up and he started digging in the sand and he brought a crystal that he'd found under the desert. And he said, yeah, you can find them if you rest enough. He was so cool. Um, but I learned from him that he could rest for me. And so then I started resting for other people. And he said to me one day, I think I can rest for a whole city. Like I've been working at it for years. So all you have to do, this is a great way to end. Find a place where you're at rest, where you're at peace, at peace. And then when you hear or feel or see people getting upset this coming week, because it's going to be a big one, rest for them. Stay in the peace of consciousness and say, I am resting for you. I am resting for you. It was after I learned this that I sort of understood the line in the New Testament where Jesus supposedly said, Come unto me, all ye that labor, that, um, <laughs> come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So, all ye that labor and are heavy laden out there, I understand it's going to be quite a week. It's going to be okay. So let's all give each other rest and give rest to the world and see if we can calm the water this week just a little bit. I'll see you on the other side. Mwah, mwah, mwah.
I love gathering with all you beautiful people every week on The Gathering Room, but lately I've wanted to do some actual gathering. And my favorite way to gather is to go someplace wild with a few friends and tap into our true nature. So in January 2025, my partner, the gracious badger Rowan Mangan, and I are running a retreat in the lush wilds of Costa Rica. The retreat is called Pure Wild Self, and Ro and I will be teaching you ways of shedding the layers of culture that keep us from being our truest selves. It is going to be so much fun. And if you feel the pull, it may just change your life. These things always change mine. So if you'd like to come play, learn, and create with us, please go to marthabeck.com slash retreat and find out more. It's a bewildering moment to be alive. That's why Martha Beck, me, and Rowan Mangan, me, created Bewildered, the wildly successful podcast for people trying to figure it out. Most of us are trying to fit society's expectations about how we should live, which is stressful and confusing. On Bewildered, we look at topics like perfectionism, what it means to have enough, anxiety, and creativity to see where the culture may be pushing us all away from the lives that truly fulfill us. If you're bewildered, if you want to think and you love to laugh, come join us. 